Welcome to Connect with Causeway. I'm your host, Therese Mulvey, Vice President of Insights at Causeway Solutions. We got some great feedback on our first podcast, and we're excited for today's episode, where once again, we will talk about our newest survey results. The topics of focus for this month are the economy, entertainment, and soccer. In entertainment, we're going to look at the streaming awards and how consumers' media consumption habits have shifted. We'll also talk about the World Cup, which is coming up soon and is in many ways a bit of an anomaly. Back in 2018, we saw that there were 96 million people who watched it. But when we look at people who call themselves fans, it's around 10 million people. So how does that work? We'll look into that a little bit when we get further into the podcast. Joining me today is Lauren Kornick, our Manager of Strategic Partnerships. Hey, Lauren. Hello. Truth be told, you're the one who did the research on these results, and I have no doubt you will bring your unique perspective. Welcome to episode two. Yeah, thanks, Therese. Happy to be back. Excited now that the uh, political season's wrapping up. Causeway's going full steam ahead. We're still doing data. We're looking into more consumer data pieces, including streaming, which is exciting the whole company. And as I said yesterday, instead of full steam ahead, we're going to be full stream ahead. Waka waka. That's a funnier joke now than it was yesterday. I don't know. I think it gets funnier every day. It's a wonderful joke. And I am fascinated by streaming and with America's general obsession with TV. So I'm really interested to see where the conversation goes and what other puns you can come up with. <laughs> Our returning expert today is Causeway Solutions CEO, Bill Skelly. Bill will delve into the data and share his interesting insights as always. So I think we're all set up to start this discussion. So let's start with what's top of mind right now, and that's the economy. It's really clear people are concerned over the economy and it just keeps growing. We've seen it in comparison to last month, to a few months ago, to last year. Bill, I'm gonna turn it over to you to, and what I wanna know is what's your take on what's going on right now? Yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, it's great to be with you and Lauren today. I'll tell you, it might be top of minds, but it's bottom of hearts for Americans right now. You know, the economy is just really ratcheting up as the most important issue that, that consumers are facing. And I think we're starting to see that. Lauren mentioned, you know, the election season wrapping up. And, and I think we've begun to see that on the political side. And from a consumer standpoint, as we head into the holiday season where, where increased, you know, kind of discretionary spending launches, it's potentially problematic. You know, I think as we mentioned last episode, there's, you know, we every month we conduct a survey of 1,500 U.S. consumers, and the economy is something that we really start to dig into. You know, overall, not much has changed. Uh, you know, beginning of the year, 68% of Americans said that they were dissatisfied with the way the country was headed. And today that number is holding firm at 65%. So a lot of dissatisfaction out there. But but what's concerning is in January, we had one out of every three consumers saying that the economy was the most important issue. And today, that's 48%. So almost one out of every two consumers are ranking the economy as the most important issue. You know, kind of in a, in a funny way of if, you, if it were a movie review, you know, asking if you would give it five stars, you know, 22% of Americans in May said that they'd give the economy five stars. And today that's only 6%. It's, it's really sobering to see just how hard this is hitting consumers. You know, 71% of Americans have cut down on their expenses. 51% indicate they're carrying balances on their credit card. And 47% have spent down from their savings. So 
This is just not something that's going to go away. It's really at the top of people's minds headed into the holidays. And I I think it's going to be the main topic of conversation for a couple more months. So how are you seeing people dealing with what they're cutting back on? Are they cutting back on luxuries? Are they making less purchases? No, you see, that's that's the interesting part is that life is going on, right? People don't seem ready to give up on the luxuries just yet. They're cutting back on some of the smaller expenses. You know, looking looking ahead to the next year, sixty six percent of consumers say they're likely to make a major purchase. You know, thirty six percent plan on purchasing a car, which, by the way, is is no easy feat these days. Yeah, fifteen percent plan to purchase a house. Which again, no easy feat in today's market. And you know, coming out of out of the pandemic and, and being trapped at home for so long, fifteen percent are looking at taking some sort of long distance vacation in the next twelve months. You know, these are major expenses that people are trying everything they can do to save up for to, to keep moving forward. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is that you can think it's optimism or maybe just kind of pie in the sky thinking, but we've also seen that these people's predictions on what major purchase they're going to make are kind of closer than we would expect. So we had back in May, 57% said it was likely that when they would make a large purchase, you know, like a car, a house, etc. in the next six months. And now about five months later, 46% said that they had made that large purchase. So going into the holiday season, we're just about matching up that prediction. So people aren't having eyes that are bigger than their wallets, it's matching up pretty securely. So it's interesting to see a consumer confidence that's even higher than last year around. So it should be interesting to see how it will match up six months down the line. Let's turn to entertainment and look at how the economy affects our love of TV. I saw a study following the economic decline in 2008, and it showed that there was a 26% increase in TV viewing. So clearly, Americans show us that when things get tough, they stay home and they watch TV. So Comfort TV is continuing today and, and a reflection of what's going on in the economy, but it's really different because it's all about streaming. So this leads me to my next question for you, Bill, and that's the growth of streaming. What are you seeing there? So, you know, for the last decade, you know, the increase in streaming behavior by consumers has been through the roof. But at some point, and and that may be happening sooner rather than later, that's going to begin to level off. You know, 78% of consumers have kind of retained or increased their streaming habits over the course of the last year. However, when we talk about, you know, the economy and, and looping back to what we just discussed, only 16%, you know, one out of every eight consumers plans on increasing the number of subscriptions. I feel like every day... I wake up and there's all sorts of new streaming services or new content, or I have to add another plan to get to get some video I want. You know, that's beginning to wear thin on consumers. You know, it, it's you know 21% plan on actually decreasing their subscriptions in, in the next year. That, that's a tremendous number. And it's going to be hard for some of these streaming services to, to fight off the attrition after they fought so hard for addition over all these years. So you know, some of the biggest services that probably churn, you know, Hulu, one out of every three subscribers for Hulu said that they were planning on potentially reducing that subscription. Apple TV, Amazon, although Amazon's unique because it comes with Prime, 
know, there's there's some major services here that might see some attrition in the coming months because, you know, quite honestly, consumers just need to cut back. That's why they, that, you know, I remember I cut my cord from cable to, to go to streaming because I thought it would lower my cable bill. Now with mm-hmm. all the all the subscriptions I have, I, don't, I think I pay more today than I probably did when I had a cable service. It gets complicated because there's certain services that are now a lock. So there's very little wiggle room left. So if they're even people who are left who are willing to subscribe, all the services now have to fight over them. Yeah, I mean, it's a it, look. It's a finite consumer pool, and they're they're fighting that battle right now over content. You know, content is king, but it's probably not the only key in in all of these, right? Like, you know, life in general gets in the way of linear television or watching stuff live. You know, but but more and more people are going to be you know streaming because of life circumstances. They can watch the sh- shows they want to watch when they want to watch them. Uh, it, it fits really closely with the disruption we're seeing in TV over the last couple of years, and that's definitely increasing over the last few months. Yeah, we have the TV disruption that we've been talking about internally. So we have the live TV options, sports games streaming. We were talking about how it's the great pumpkin. Charlie Brown isn't broadcasting this year. It's just only on streaming. That's the only way you can see it. So the only thing's that are still just really on main live TVs, well, news and then sports. But even then, sports is transitioning as well. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've signed up, I think, for two new streaming services to watch Italian soccer and, and you know, who knows what else. It, it feels like anytime you want to watch something now, you've got to go find the streaming service and subscribe to it. It's incredible. It's definitely uh, confusing. But speaking of major sporting events turning to streaming, Let's move to our next topic, which is the World Cup. Around the globe, soccer is like a must-watch, but here in the U.S., it's still not a dominant sport, as we mentioned earlier. Americans show up for the World Cup, but then where is it that they go after that? Yeah, you know, it's the World Cup is something that baffles me. It's, it's a worldwide phenomenon. I mean, billions of people tune into the World Cup. And in the U.S., it's going to be one out of every three U.S. consumers plan on watching, you know, some or all of the World Cup and probably for a lot of different reasons. But that that number, as you mentioned at the top of the episode, it drops off, you know, eightfold, eight time decrease in viewership for, you know, soccer from the World Cup to when we head into the MLS season. You know, I think I think we have a unique opportunity here with the U.S. hosting and North America hosting the next World Cup to, to kind of grab attention for a longer period of time. But what advertisers and what, you know, I hope FIFA and other, uh, you know, major league U.S. soccer begin to realize is that there's a diverse audience that's really paying attention. You know, it's news male, but it's not an exclusively male audience. You know, 37% of people that are going to watch the World Cup are female. It skews younger. You're going to reach 18 to 35-year-old consumers. You know, it's more educated. 38% you know, have some sort of post-grad degree. So it's, you know, uh, married consumers with children. It's it's really a diverse group that you'll be able to reach, you know, for advertising or for, for messaging, at least through the World Cup. And it'll be interesting to see if, if Major League Soccer can find a way to, to, you know, kind of retain some of those fans because it's it, it really is a once-in-a-lifetime phenomenon that, that happens every four years. If, if that's even a thing, Lauren, you can fact-check me on once-in-a-lifetime every four years, but I, I think that I think that holds. <laughs> It's a short lifetime. (laughs) Well, to Sway, though, I think it's interesting because only about half who watched the World Cup plan on watching soccer afterwards. So it's trying to figure out what to market to them to switch over to just regular soccer. And with that half, half of the people who are watching 
the World Cup aren't watching it for a specific player or a specific country. They're just watching it either A, because an exciting game that's a once in a lifetime every four years, or it's just a tradition. It's something that they've done. It's like the Super Bowl. And even if you don't follow football, oh, I'll watch the Super Bowl every year. So it's about trying to transition those people. And Major League Soccer is in a good spot because those people who are watching it for more of those life reasons are actually willing or even at least have a favorable view of soccer. I think about 73% actually have a favorable view of soccer, even though they don't follow it. All they do is watch the World Cup. So it seems like we're still seeing that escapism factor, even with soccer. So Lauren, it's, it's almost like this all ties together, right? You know, people are concerned about the economy. They, they want something to get their minds off of it. They're getting tired of subscribing to new services. And he, along comes an event that, that's going to distract them and give them something else to, to pay attention to and hopefully get their minds off of the economy and, and you know, be a service they can watch on, the, on normal television. So it's really, really interesting to see how this all plays out together. Yeah, it's not just the content or the product or whichever. It's about the circumstances around it or the person. And that's what makes kind of our job so interesting. There's a psychology factor in examining the life around it, not just what we're giving to them. Yeah, the data analytics and sociology. That's, that's maybe what we should change the tagline to. <laughs> it's a pretty fascinating story. And I think, you know, what we said at the close of last month's episode is really true again today, which is, you know, it's not always what you expect it to say, which is why it's so important not to make assumptions and really check the numbers. And even some of the surface things that we talked about, once you looked into them, you know, some of the things that you talked about, Lauren, in terms of who it is that's watching soccer or how they feel about it, or, you know, some of the the information on streaming services and where they're going. And then obviously, how people are feeling about the economy is not always exactly what you'd think in terms of what they're planning to do with their money. So I just, I think again, you know, to, to what you guys both said, that's why this information is so fascinating and why we love our jobs, right? So thanks for dissecting the stats for us, Lauren and Bill. Thanks for your perspective. It was really interesting for me. And most importantly, we want to thank all of you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Connect with Causeway, and we want to remind you that if you have questions you'd like to suggest for our monthly survey, please reach out to us at info at causewaysolutions.com. And also, please subscribe to the podcast and tune in again for our next episode. Thanks, everybody.